listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, But today, I wanted to take the time on this weekend broadcast to show you something that during the time of the quarantine, COVID-19 quarantine, I, uh, I learned something. I learned something from, uh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Johnny's hilarious. Uh, I learned something and I, I was actually kind of surprised, um, because you know how it was. Wherever you were, um, everything was shut down. You could only go through drive-throughs. You could only get pickup, uh, you know, pickup orders from restaurants. I know that, and I'm very, very happy about that. Peckville Assembly of God never shut down. A big hand clap in the comments for my friends in uh, Blakely, Pennsylvania. Peckville Assembly of God, the Drost family. I give it up to the Dross family, never shut down, carrying on in strength in the Holy Ghost, three generations deep. And uh, I love them, and I'm extremely proud of them, full of faith, full of the anointing. Love those guys. Throw some hands up for those pastors that never shut down. My uncle in Virginia Beach, never shut down. My uncle in uh, West Virginia, never shut down. Um, so... Obviously, if you wanted to eat anything, if you wanted to, to if you were, t- if you were literally uh, sick of cooking, and you wanted to just pick something up, obviously you had to go out. And um, if you didn't want to go to a restaurant, you just wanted to hit a drive-through. I just looked every building, completely wrapped around multiple times. Some of them two times, almost three. Uh, with cars, I mean, jammed to the gills. And I made the mistake in some of those uh, times. Once again, I'm not a health professional, as you well know. So don't judge me when uh, when I when I say that I went into the McDonald's drive-through f- quite a few times. Not quite a few, but a few, more than a few. But anyway, uh, went into the McDonald's drive-through, wrapped around lunchtime, wrapped around probably like two times. And you get in that and you sit and you sit and you sit and you sit. And, and literally it was like crawling. I don't know if it was just like the complete inefficiency of the workers. What was up with that? But you're sitting and you're sitting and you're sitting. Well, then, then I go and, uh, the family wanted Chick-fil-A. So I leave the house. We drive across town. Here we are at Chick-fil-A. I'm expecting the same thing because, now it's not just um, wrapped around, but it's two lines wrapped around the building at Chick-fil-A. And so I'm like, here we go again. You know, and I pull in to the parking lot. We get into the line. And like to my, uh, not just surprise, but my to my great joy, the, uh, the line is moving so fluidly. And it's like, my Lord in heaven, what is going on? And then you've got uh, people that are outside waiting on you. And this, this is like, you know, people just think outside of the box. So I'm sitting there and, uh, they've got like, um, 
three, four, maybe five people uh, walking around with iPads, car to car, not waiting for you to pull up to the window, coming around and taking your order um, from your car, taking your payment, moving on to the next person, putting a number in your windshield. I mean, like, like a well-oiled machine, like a well-oiled machine. And um, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching everybody. And of course, as you know, um, especially during the quarantine, all this, you know, people were their their um, their tempers. There was people tempers flaring. There was people just irritated with each other. If you were out in public, people were ready to bite your head off. I don't know if you experienced that. I mean, crazy. I mean, so you've got that. You got people honking at each other. Plus, this is South Florida, so you get extra honks. Um, people just angry. People are irritated. People just want to get back home. People don't want to be out, but then they don't want to be home. And it's like just it was mayhem. And so all this going on, I'm in this parking lot. It's like blowing me away. They're like as efficient as I've ever seen. And I started realizing I actually learned uh, four things. Hey, Raina, I really learned four things during the lockdown from Chick-fil-A. If you can believe it, I learned spiritual lessons from Chick-fil-A. And I want to share them with you because they're not just spiritual. They'll not just cause you to grow personally. It'll cause your business to grow. It'll cause your ministry to grow. It'll cause you to grow in your purpose. All four of these things are applicable in any area of your life. And it really blew me away. But then I really started to see that everyone, now here's what blows my mind. This has happened. If you've ever gone to Barnes and Noble or something and went to the business section and you, you read some of these books that have business principles or whatever, be like, wow, that's, that's a way to have a, have a successful business. One of the things you'll recognize if you've studied the Bible for any period of time is that many of the things that make people successful are all biblically based principles. They're scripturally based principles. And the reason that they work is because of the fact they're based on God's laws or they're based upon God's way of doing things. And I noticed that. And of course, I I understand the background of Chick-fil-A, but one of the things I noticed was all the things I was seeing were all biblical principles. They were all things that the Bible teaches that people should do to cause you to grow and be successful. And so I I noticed that and I wrote them down. So I want to share these, these four things with you. Four things I learned during the lockdown from Chick-fil-A and during the quarantine as everybody was jamming these places. I mean, you know how jammed they are anyway when it's not locked down. You can't hardly find a Chick-fil-A even in a mall that doesn't have like a line. Let me give you a short um, story of something that happened to me. I was leaving New England and um, so, I don't know if you guys remember this. There was a there was a time maybe like seven years ago when, um, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A took a public stand on same-sex marriages and uh, it ticked everybody off in the LGBT uh, community, ticked them off. And so there was these protests everywhere against Chick-fil-A. People were trying to boycott Chick-fil-A. People were trying to shut them down. People trying to picket uh, and all this stuff. And so, hey, Pastor Steve Lee, what's up? And so I was leaving Massachusetts. Now, I thought to myself, I really do want, and you don't usually find them too far up north, but I was, I was leaving a meeting up in, up in New England. I was like, man, I could really, really go for Chick-fil-A. And I thought, I know they're not like mostly through New England, but especially back then, I was like, I'll check anyway on Google. 
I get on my 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 uh, Google Maps, it pulls a Chick Fil A up it, that's not far from me in Massachusetts, and I, I recognize by looking at the map that it was in a mall. It wasn't a freestanding one. It was in a food court. But I wanted Chick-fil-A so bad anyway, I was like, I'm going to go to that mall on the way out of Massachusetts and stop and get some Chick-fil-A. Well, it was at the time when that when everybody was boycotting Chick-fil-A for their stand on same-sex marriage. And I was like, dang, this is Massachusetts, extremely liberal. They're probably going to be like picketing, standing in front of it, um, you know, you know, probably standing in front. They're probably going to be like, you know, boycotting it, trying to get people to not go up to the counter to order or whatever because it is Massachusetts. So I still wanted it anyway. I parked in the parking lot of the mall, walked in, got to the food court. When I got to the food court, I looked in Massachusetts, in an extremely liberal part of the nation, I go in to the food court and the line, and I think it was probably people that were supporting them. The line for Chick-fil-A was out of the food court and into the mall, like by stores that it, I mean, like people jammed the line to get Chick-fil-A. It blew, blew my mind. And um, <laughs> Delame said, gay people will still be eating Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Um, but it's true. And, and so there was like, even in Massachusetts, people were standing up to support it. And people were just, uh, you know, it's like, there's so much so like this that people have made memes out of Chick-fil-A. I, I was watching, <laughs> I watched one and they were showing how there was like hand sanitizer stations outside of the bathroom, like on the wall throughout the restaurants. And somebody wrote, why are there um, hand sanitizer stations outside of the bathroom all throughout Chick-fil-A? And the answer was, because you'll wash your filthy hands before you eat God's chicken. <laughs> and it's just like kind of a an understood thing for people that know about Chick-fil-A, that it's always going to be right on the money, whatever. Um, by the way, they're not sponsoring this broadcast or anything. <laughs> they don't have any idea I'm doing a broadcast on them. But I'm not getting any money from Chick-fil-A. Um, but I noticed these four things, and these are four things that will cause your ministry to grow, your business to grow, your life, your family to grow, relationships to grow. And uh, so I want to I wanna show them to you because it blows my mind. But obviously the first one, if, you, if, if you're talking about Chick-fil-A, the, the first one is consistency which could be re-termed as faithfulness, consistency and faithfulness. First thing you learn, consistency and faithfulness, consistency and faithfulness. When I, when I looked at this, one of the things I recognized is um, when you go, it's one of the reasons I, that for a long period of time, I stopped going to McDonald's because I was so like angry at the fact that you could go to one and you know it would be it would be fine you'd get a good burger you'd get some good hot and fresh fries you go to another one you know 3 miles away on another day you'd get cold soggy fries a sloppily made burger an angry worker at the window and as a traveling minister you know I'm all over the country I may stop in and be like man this is a you know it was a great that was a great experience at McDonald's I could be like the very next day somewhere else and a completely horrible experience, angry workers, not polite, you know, crappy food, all that. And it's like, I don't know what it's, I don't know what I'm going to get. I go to McDonald's. I've got, it's a toss up. It's literally, you know, you go to some Taco Bells the same way. And it's like, you go and you're like, who knows what to expect? You know, ice cream machines always broken. You can't get a milkshake. 
no apple pies made. You know, it's like where you never know what you're going to get. It's a gamble. You're taking your life into your own hands going to any McDonald's location. And I recognize that. Um, and it blew my mind. I was looking at, um, I was looking at a, a statistic that I found that they said now, uh, McDonald's locations are being outsold by Chick-fil-A locations. Now think about this. There's not, not total because obviously there's way more McDonald's than there are Chick-fil-A's, but store for store average Chick-fil-A is selling more than McDonald's locations store for store average. Now think about how crazy that is because there are that I know of, I've never seen one. There are no Chick-fil-A's that are open 24 hours, none. And almost every McDonald's is open 24 hours. So you think McDonald's sells all day long for a 24 hour period and they're still getting outsold by a Chick-fil-A that's probably open uh, for a 12 hour period, maybe a little bit longer. You think about that. And it's because of these things that I'm telling you now, people know. And one of the first things they know when they go to one is what they're going to get. I can honestly tell you this. And trust me, I have been to Chick-fil-A a lot of times, many, many times. I could be considered an expert in this area. That's how many times I've been, especially being on the road all the time and all that. And with a wife that doesn't like fast food, but she'll eat Chick-fil-A. So I've been there many, many times and enough to be speaking on this as a semi-expert. And I can tell you truthfully that no matter where in this country that I've eaten at one, and it doesn't matter uh, what time of day, what state, uh, none of that matters. I have never one time had a bad experience at a Chick-fil-A. Never, not once. I mean, that's miraculous in and of itself. That never one time have I dealt with an impolite worker. I've never had bad food. I've never had cold food. I've never, I mean, none of that. And not that I can remember off the top of my head, but if there was ever something uh, that was made wrong or something like that, they are so quick to fix it, say sorry, give you a, a fresh one, whatever. I mean, like I have never in my life had a, uh, a, a bad experience at a Chick-fil-A. I just never have. And that speaks to point number one. It's consistency and faithfulness. Consistency and faithfulness. You know when you go there, what you're going to get. You know exactly how it's going to be. And Ariana's uh, mentioning the workers are so good. One of the things that I, I heard from somebody that's been there is that the workers go through like a, 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 a an extended training period. They don't just throw you in. There's like an extended training period that you have to go through before you can even uh, work there. And so th- there's vision is obviously transferred into the worker. That's the difference. That, you know, vision, the vision of the corporation, the vision of the company is transferred into the worker, which is why they take ownership of it. Steve Lee said, greatest Chick-fil-A revelation, the 30 count meal deal. I'm with you all day long, all day long. But obviously, and if you're a leader of any kind, if you're a pastor, if you're a team leader, a a business leader, whatever you, whatever you might be, remember this. One of the things that they've done with their, that's created consistency and faithfulness is that they've properly transferred their vision into the workers and that the the workers have taken ownership of the vision of that company. And so 
the being polite, the being efficient, the, all the things that we're going to talk about today, those are drilled into the workers, drilled into the people, and they carry it out throughout their time at the company. And it, it, it sheds a light on the company that uh, it's like you can't buy that with money. You can't buy that kind of a reputation as a restaurant. It only comes from efficiency and consistency. My favorite sauce would have to be Chick-fil-A sauce, but I will say I like the honey roasted barbecue packets that they put in for the grilled chicken club sandwich. I love, love uh, those. I think it's called honey roasted barbecue. Amazing. All right. Don't take me off topic because I'll, I'll, I'll get into this. I'll go deep with it. Um, but listen to this. This was true um, years ago. I'm not sure if they have the same um, rules or not, but think about this for consistency. If you franchise a Chick-fil-A, you're only allowed to operate one location in order to engender quality. So they don't want you opening five Chick-fil-A's and having your focus divided between five. They want you to open one and run it extremely well, which people do. They run them extremely well. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. Luke 16, 10 through 13. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. So let, let me say it this way. If you're currently in a place where you're serving someone else's vision, just like you know all of those people that are working for Chick-fil-A, they're serving the vision of the company, they may have a dream and a desire to own their own business one day. But if you're not faithful in the small things, you'll never be faithful in large things. If you're never faithful with someone else's things, the Bible says, then how would you be given your own things to be faithful over? And so it's funny to me that everybody wants to run their own business. Everybody wants to do, you know, all their own thing, but they're not even faithful in the job they've been given. Well, I'm going to be an entrepreneur one day, but you don't even show up to work on time working at Chick-fil-A. You know, not them. They do show up on time, but McDonald's, you know, so don't go around talking about how you're going to own your own business and you're going to run your own corporation. You can't even show up to McDonald's to flip burgers on time. If you're not faithful over the small things, you'll not be made faithful over the great. If you're not faithful with, faithful with someone else's, then you'll not, be, you'll not be given your own to be faithful over. So remember this. It's so important to understand consistency, 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 faithfulness is key. Anybody, remember this, and I, I've learned this, anybody can go hard doing something for a short period of time. It takes people that are mature, people that are developed to go at something and do it for long periods of time, long periods of time. You know, it's like, it's like this. I mean, I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back or, or I just want to use it as an example, but it's like going live with you guys. You know, I've met so many people that are like, man, that's such a good idea that you go live with, with your people every day and that, you know, you're teaching them on a daily basis and sometimes twice a day. You know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I think it's really, I'm just like, yeah, do it, man. It is good. And I've talked to pastors. I've talked to other people. I'm like, yeah, you should do it too. You should, you know, speak into the lives of your people every day, encourage them, you know, uh, uh, exhort them. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I've talked to tons of people. They're like, man, that's a really good idea. And they'll do it once or twice. They'll do a week long. They'll do a week and a half. And then you don't ever see them online again. It's like no consistency, no faithfulness. 
you know, the thing about it is that you know if you log on here at 10.30 a.m. any day Monday through Friday, I'm going to be live. And you've learned that. I'm going to be here live if it's 10.30 a.m. Some I'm going to be playing. You're going to be getting taught. No question. Because you've understood and now you expect the consistency and the faithfulness. And it's just how it is. It's always going to be live Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. And so what does that do? It creates an expectancy in people that know you. It creates an expectancy in people that know you. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're called to do, consistency and faithfulness builds a reputation of trust for what you're doing. You know, there's something to be said for a minister that over um, 60 years has been faithful in integrity in their ministry. There's a lot to be said for that. There's a lot to be said for that, that they've lived holy, they've lived honestly, they've been married to the same woman all this for 50 years. It's a track record of consistency and faithfulness. And people get that. It's, it's, and so it's something that will help you. It's something that will help you with your own ministry, your own business, your own family. Your children will watch you to see if you're consistent and faithful. And, you know, one of the worst things to have to deal with is a person who does not have a consistent attitude. I mean, throw a hand in the comments if you know what I'm talking about. Having to deal with a person who doesn't have a consistent attitude. They're happy one day, depressed the next day, angry the next day. They don't have control of themselves. And so you have to walk on eggshells around them just to make sure it's like what type of mood they're in that day before you get your head bitten off. It's like no one wants to be around a person like that. Nobody, nobody. Consistency is key. Why? Because consistency builds a reputation with you, with your family, with your business, with your ministry. You know, I've taught and preached the same thing for the 20 years that I've been preaching. People have come to my dad thinking they're insulting him. You know, say, Brother Ted, you're still preaching the same thing you preached 43 years ago. He said, thank you. Thank you. That's not an insult. That's a compliment. It means you've been consistent. Well, who I wonder about are these guys that every time there's a new fad in the body of Christ, they're preaching a different revelation. They've flip-flopped 16 times in the last 16 years on things they preach and believe. It's like, bro, makes me wonder how grounded you are in what you actually know and believe. I've been preaching the same doctrine, same thing for the last 20 years, and I'll preach the same thing if Jesus tarries for the next 20 years and the next 20 after that. And I'll keep doing it until I die or until Jesus comes because I'm grounded in what I believe. I know what I believe. I'll be consistent in what I believe and I'll act out what I believe. I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. And consistency. See, understand this. Your children are watching you for consistency. Your employers are watching you. Your employees are watching you for consistency. And consistency builds trust. But if you're consistent in the right things, faithful in the right things, it doesn't just build trust. It builds a steady growth and a reputation of excellence. You understand that it's an expectation of excellence when you're consistent and faithful in the right areas. And that's how Chick-fil-A has been. I've never had a bad experience there. I've never met an impolite employee. I've never had bad food. I've never had cold food. It's consistent. I can trust them wherever I go. There's hotel chains like that. 
As someone who travels, I can tell you there's hotel chains that I'll never stay in again because it's so inconsistent across the board and that some of them are dirty. Some of them are great. Some have great workers. Other have horrible workers. Consistency is key. And if you have that consistency across the brand, guess what happens? Builds trust and a reputation that precedes you. A reputation that precedes you. You're building that reputation every single day by your consistency and your faithfulness in life. Faithfulness to obey the word, faithfulness to walk in love, faithfulness to walk in joy and peace, faithfulness to have good relationships, be the bigger person, take the high road. You understand? You're building your own reputation every day by consistency and faithfulness. That's exactly what they've done. It's exactly why they're out selling McDonald's. It's exactly why that people are driving by them with tears coming down their face on Sunday because they're closed and they really, really want a Chick-fil-A classic sandwich talking about myself. So you understand what's happening. They've built consistency, so they've built a reputation. And they've built an expectation for the people that interact with them. And that's exactly what you want. If you want to be successful in your ministry, in your business, in your family, in life, you've got to be consistent and faithful in the right things that build an expectation among people that interact with you for good things. Yeah, that's, Ariana said the same. I don't think I've ever heard someone say they don't like Chick-fil-A. You know what happens? When, when, they, when they announce that they're building a location in someone's city or town that doesn't have one, the people get so excited. If anybody's watching me, remember, uh, I think Lisa was on. If anyone's watching me from Albemarle, North Carolina, I remember when they announced that they were building a Chick-fil-A in Albemarle. I remember the buzz. I remember the excitement. I remember people making plans. As soon as that thing goes up, we're going to go together and get lunch at Chick-fil-A. The only thing they had was Zaxby's across the street that would rival it. No, not, there was nothing else. Of course, there's the normal stuff, Taco Bell, you know, McDonald's, whatever. But uh, In-N-Out, not In-N-Out, but uh, Cookout, you know. But when they announced Chick-fil-A, was coming to Albemarle. I, and I don't even live there. And I've been there a lot. And I remember people talking, man, we got a Chick-fil-A coming. I'm excited. I love Chick-fil-A. Everybody, nobody was like, I can't believe they're building a Chick-fil-A in our city. Yeah. That's Scotty said. People are camped out for the openings. I, absolutely. Same in New York. Ariana said, I think they're going to put another one in soon. That's packed. I, absolutely. People get excited. They love it. Like finally, finally we get a Chick-fil-A. Fist pumps are happening. Fist pumps, slow motion. Fist pumps are happening. Look, in D in DC, we almost danced in the streets. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever met somebody that doesn't like it or is like, I don't like I don't care for Chick-fil-A at all. I think it's horrible food. Nobody. Why? Consistency and faithfulness. And people know it. And it's a biblical principle. Listen to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 23. His Lord, this is the parable of the talents. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, and now I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Now look at verses 28 and 29. So take the talents from him, uh, the one who didn't produce, and give it to him who has 10 talents. And here's the principle. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and, and he'll have an abundance. But from the one who doesn't have, even what he does have will be taken taken away from him. 
So you see that? The one who was faithful over those things, more is added to him. When you're consistent, when you're faithful over those types of things, more is added onto you. Remember, every level that you live at is a test for the next level. Just remember that. Every level in which you live is just a test for the next level. How I conduct myself at this level is a test for what will take place at the next level or if I'll even reach the next level. How I conduct myself right now, and I want you to put it in the comments, how I live now will determine if I go higher. How I live now will determine if I go higher. This is so important for people. I wish I could impart to every young person in the gen, gen, um, the millennium generation or the Gen Y generation and impart these keys into them so they grow up acting like this and living like this. How you live now will determine whether, you, whether or not you make the next level. Every level is a test. Every level, God's looking at your faithfulness. Every level, he's looking at your consistency. Every level, he's seeing how you respond to his word and how you respond to his instructions. Every level. There will, let me just say it this way. There will never be a time in your life that God will stop looking at your consistency. Ever. Ever. There will never be a time in your life that God will stop looking at your consistency. Not once. It doesn't matter if you're 70 years old and have been faithful to the kingdom for 50 years. God, God has not stopped looking at your faithfulness or consistency. He keeps a book of remembrance, the Bible says, and he's watching. That's right. That's, that is the prayer, Kim Hughes. Kim, Kim Hughes said on Facebook, please let me pass all my tests so I move on to the next level. That is it. And if you've ever heard the prayer points that we've given out, one of the ones I took from Bishop Oyedepo and uh, Pastor Adeboye, I took that uh, prayer point that said, Lord, when this month comes to an end, don't let us be out of position to receive our next level. Don't let us be out of position to receive our next blessing. But put me in position by my faithfulness, by my obedience, by my consistency. Let me be in position to receive promotion and next level blessing from heaven. For promotion comes from the Lord. So Lord, let me pass my tests. Let me see your favor because I pleased you with my actions. That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. So how, li how I live now will determine if I go higher. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. God is always looking at your faithfulness. He's always looking at your obedience, always looking at your consistency to see if you will do it at all times. And that's exactly what's caused them to flourish. They've been faithful and consistent in the right things. Let me give you number, number two. The second thing I learned that causes you to explode into growth, explode higher, is kindness. Kindness. The biblical principle here is love and meekness, humility. So kindness, which manifests itself because of love and meekness, humility. Number two, write it in the comments. Kindness is the, uh, yes, absolutely, Alexandra. Tithes are a part of consistency. So put it in, in the comments. Number two, kindness. Kindness. Like I told you, I've never met one, not one worker at a Chick-fil-A that was mean, that was impolite. I've never, I've never, that gave me an attitude.
Never one time. And that says a lot. You think about it. I'm out there in South Florida. I mean, just catch this. I'm, I'm out there in, in my car in the blacktop parking lot of South Florida. It's like 94 degrees. 94 degrees. These people are sweating, pouring sweat, walking around the blacktop, coming car to car to car, standing out there for whoever knows how long, and taking orders with the best possible attitude that you can imagine in a human being, smiling, saying thank you, saying you're welcome, saying my pleasure, anything else I can do to help you. I mean, literally walking around in scorching heat in the most uncomfortable, yeah, literally like in the most uncomfortable situations, walking around doing their job and they're not all Christians. It's not like they're all walking around with the love of God. They've just disciplined themselves for the corporation that we're going to be kind. Kindness is a part of our vision. Kindness is a part of our uh, corporate policy. We're going to be the most, the, the kindest people in the industry. And they are. They by far are. My pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. Please. Always, always polite. They blow everybody else out of the water in kindness. And people have taken to it like to next levels. I mean, it, it creates a whole different kind of atmosphere when you go there. But you can't be kind without a, a foundation of love and humility. If you're a prideful person, you'll only treat people kindly when they reciprocate. But if, if, if you have to wait on somebody else or you have to deal with somebody else who has an attitude, then your pride prickles up and you start to mirror their attitude back to them. That's why meekness is, is a prerequisite. You must have meekness. Must. You have to. Love and humility. And when you deal with people, it doesn't matter what their attitude is like. doesn't matter what their demeanor is like. doesn't matter any of that. What matters is who you are and what you are giving to them. And it does feel genuine. You're right. So I want, I want you to hear this because it's a thing that, and it blows my mind now. I listen. I don't just listen to Christians. I listen to a lot of sinners because I want my pulse to be on the culture. I want to have my finger on the pulse of the culture and society, what people are doing and saying. And I was listening to one of the foremost online marketers, one of the foremost uh, um, business guys. You probably know his name. If you don't, you'll hear somebody new today. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk, and, and he goes by the tag Gary V. And he, he owns uh, basically a marketing business in New York City. Um, you know, curses like a sailor. But one of the things he preaches to everybody on social media, whatever, is kindness is king. Kindness is king. Being kind. Being kind. So, you know, one of the things that he, he and he's not a Christian by any means, but one of the things he preaches to people is, that you should always feel the pressure of being not, that no relationship should ever be 50-50, that it should always be 51-49. He preaches that heavily. 51-49, meaning you should always be giving 51% in a relationship and only requiring 49% from the other person, meaning you're always giving more than you're taking. Always giving more than you're taking. 51-49. And so you think about this, um, 
preaching kindness, not just kindness, but uh, gratitude, a life of, I mean, think about the fact you've got a man who's not even a Christian that curses like a sailor and he's telling everybody, be kind, live a life of gratitude, be thankful and give more to others than you take. I mean, here's a guy that's actually teaching Christian principles and he's not even a Christian. You've got Christians that don't even act like that. But it's it's what brings success. It's it's what brings success. And they know it at Chick-fil-A. Kindness. Walk in love. Walk in love. Be kind. Be gentle. You know, you don't see um you don't see people, uh, employees at Chick-fil-A having a yell out match with people in, you didn't order that. Are you and, you know, you don't see people freaking out on other people like they get, you know, in McDonald's and Burger King and everybody else. So there's there's problems all the time. You don't see it. Because they've made up in their minds. Kindness will be number one. We will be polite. We will be kind. We will walk in love. We will be gentle in response. And it brings increase. It brings increase. Listen to this. According to a a report that compared 15 other fast food chains, Chick-fil-A was voted the most polite, most likely to say please and thank you, and of course, my pleasure. They were voted the most likely to be kind. (laughs) And everybody knows it. What am I talking about? They've created their, their own reputation. They're most likely. Everyone knows that. Nobody ever has to wonder. I wonder if they're going to be nice at Chick-fil-A. They all know it. Everyone knows it. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If you don't walk in humility, it will bring destruction. Destruction to your ministry, your business, your family, your relationships. I know ministries. Let me let me just be very honest with you. I know of ministries that the one who ran the ministry was very proud, walked in pride, walked in arrogance. When they talked to people, were condescending, and they may have they might have had a spotlight for a little while, but they've been wiped off. Uh, nobody even knows where they are anymore. Nobody knows where they are. Nobody knows what they're doing. They used to be everywhere, and now they're nowhere. Love you, Brother Scotty. You know, they're nowhere. Why are they nowhere? Because their pride brought them destruction. Their haughty spirit brought them a fall. You can't live in pride and, and, uh, and, and haughtiness and expect to continue to increase and be victorious. You'll be destroyed. That's why the devil wants you to be proud. You'll be destroyed. And that's, you know, no one's going to go back. Why would I keep going back to a place where I get condescended to all the time? Why would I keep going to a place where they keep throwing me attitude all the time? I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. But when you go to a place where they're constantly kind, constantly gentle, constantly walking in love, constantly polite, it creates something in you. You're like, I like that, man. I like, I'm going back there. I'm going to bring my friends back there. The Bible says in James 4, 6, he gives more grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives more grace to the humble or favor. That word grace is the word for favor, gives more grace or favor to the humble. So God literally opposes proud people and gives favor to humble people. That should be a sign to everybody. He gives favor and grace to humble people, personally opposes proud people. And so you have to understand kindness, which is based on love and excellence, or excuse me, love and meekness, is what brings you into that level of excellence. 
because you're there to serve. I'm there. Jesus said that. Anyone who would be great among you must become your servant. If you want to go up in the kingdom, you've got to go down. Jesus said it to his disciples. If anybody would be great among you, he must become your servant. That's why they were freaking out when Jesus wanted to wash their feet. Don't wash my feet. You're the master. You shouldn't be washing my feet. You understand? Jesus was teaching them a lesson. If anyone's going to be great among you, he must become your servant. And so that's that's what this is about. Meekness, humility, kindness, walking in the fruit of the spirit. I can't do that if I'm in pride. I cannot walk in the fruit of the spirit if I'm in pride. I cannot walk in love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. I can't do it if I'm a prideful person. I have to destroy pride and allow myself to become humble and meek. And then there's no issue walking in those in those things. Having a servant's heart. That's right, Kim. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Number three, let me give these to you. You're going to be blessed. I'm telling you, get ready for the greatest final part of a year you've ever had. Get ready. These things are going to operate in your ministry, in your business, in your family, in your relationships. You're going to explode in favor in the final months. Let me give you number three. The third thing, we've mentioned it briefly. The third thing I've learned is constant quality or excellence. Constant excellence, constant quality. First, consistency. Second, kindness. And third, quality. Think about this. Third, quality. How do we apply, Jacob says, how do we apply getting pride out of our lives and humbling ourselves to God? You have to, first of all, you've got to walk in the spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you've got to walk in the spirit. That means walking in obedience to God's word, his written word. And then you understand what pride does. And you never allow your, like Paul said, I discipline this body. I make this body do what it should. So you know how pride reacts. Pride gets offended. Pride gets angry. In fact, the best thing you could do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and read what the Bible says that love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. So see, walking in love, those things, you have to be in humility to walk in love. So when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you see those personality traits, they should be the personality traits of your life. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not boast. So you read those things and then apply them, Jacob, to your own life. Say, I will be a person that's patient. I will be a person that's kind. I will be a person that does not boast. You know, I'll go go through those things and make them part of your life. And you've got to force your flesh to obey the word of God. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Um, Jacob said, he also asked earlier, how do you, how do you go around people that curse and have a, a, f- a filthy mouth all the time and not, not get in your head? Well, it doesn't affect me. I'm not a sinner. So a sinner is not going to impart to me just because I'm around them. I should be the one that imparts to them. And, you know, you'll hear all kinds of, you can't live your life in a bubble. You know, your, people are going to go to work. They're going to go out into public where there's people that have filthy mouths, that say things that, you know, that are not Christian. You can't keep yourself in a Christian bubble for your entire life. You'll, you'll have to be out in society with people that don't serve the Lord. If you, have to, if you scrunch your nose and get all offended and run into a corner every time somebody drops an F-bomb, you'll never come out of your house. You'll never come out of your house. 
You've got to be bigger than that. And understand, there's people that sin. That's what sinners do. They sin. You know, Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't hiding himself in the synagogue. Jesus wasn't hiding himself in his home. He was out and among the sinners. The Pharisees hated him because he even ate with the sinners. And when they questioned him on why they, why do you hang out with this kind of scum, Jesus said, the reason I hang out with these people is because um, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Sinners sin. That's what they do. I don't get mad at a sinner for sinning because it's what sinners do. I'm trying to reach them for the kingdom. So I'm, I'm not thrown off when I see a sinner sinning. The thing that ticks me off is when I see Christians sinning with unrepentant sin. They don't care. They, they could care less. So don't put yourself in a bubble and think, well, I've just got to protect myself for the rest of my life or I'll hear an F-bomb. You might hear one. You might hear 10. You might hear 100. Probably before the end of your life, you'll hear thousands. But I mean, hearing somebody else talk is, is not going to turn my life into a, you know, a cesspool. Quality, number three, excellence. Remember, I read this about them. Think about this. Every Chick-fil-A site makes their own pickles from scratch, which takes three days. It's a three-day process. Think about that. Makes their own pickles from scratch. Excellence. They don't want to buy them. They want to make their own. You know, it blows my mind. When you go there, the excellence with which your food is prepared the excellence, I, like I said, I've never had bad food and I've never had cold food. I've never had bad service. I've never had an attitude. No, it's just constant excellence. Even them thinking about that, you know, they thought, well, we're going to have tons of people hit our restaurants during the quarantine. We're going to have tons of people coming through our drive through and they're going to jam this parking lot. What can we do to make it best? Think about that. What can we do to make it better than McDonald's, better than Taco Bell, better than Burger King? Let's come up with an excellent way of handling ourselves that will completely speed the process up and make people happier because they can get in and out and get their food and go home. So you know what they did? Instead of being bums like everybody else with an angry person sitting at a drive-thru and going, what can I get you? They said, here's what we'll do. We'll bring more people on. We'll bring more people on in this time, pop them out in the parking lot, give them iPads and set up a system where they're going car to car to car, quickly getting the orders, quickly taking the payment. And then all people have to do is drive through and pick up their bags, put a number in the window so we don't screw people's orders up. Very simple things that they could do. You know, it's like I, I talk to people. Um, I talk to people even that work at churches. I've, I talk to people. I, I, I remember we were at a service one time. And my father gave an altar call when I was younger. And I'll never forget this pastor's response. I mean, how poor of a response it was. And um, he, they, my dad said, I, I noticed, you know, we had about 20 some people get saved at the altar this morning. Um, I didn't I didn't notice any ushers talking to them or any greeters talking to them. He said, what kind of a follow-up plan do you have for the people that are getting saved here in your church? And the pastor at lunch actually said, well... If they're supposed to be at our church, they'll come back. I mean, what a moron. What an absolute moron. Because the Bible does not say to make converts. The Bible says to make disciples. You don't disciple someone by praying a prayer one time at an altar with them. 
You get with them. You teach them. You train them up in the way that they should go. You put them through courses. You give them reading plans. You sit with them. You pray with them. You pray that they get lay hands on them, get them filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a discipleship process. How can you disciple anybody if you don't even know who they were? You got visitors, first-time visitors coming to a church, standing at an altar, giving their heart to Jesus, and nobody even took down their information to disciple them in the way of Christ. Well, if they're supposed to be here, they'll come back. What a dummy. What an absolute dummy. And he was a dummy. Stupid. I mean, abs- and I think it's it's worth saying it this strongly because that's the lives of men and women that are on their way to heaven or on their way to hell. And he's a spiritual leader that's supposed to have enough brains to know how to do something basic as a pastor, like disciple a new believer. Stupid. Really, really stupid. And all it takes is for you to sit down Instead of going home and doing whatever you do, watching movies in your recliner or going out and golfing all day long, maybe sit down for 15 minutes and come up with a a process where you can actually disciple people and what your next steps will be when you get somebody saved at the altar. How are you going to contact them? How are you going to help them? How are you going to disciple them? How are you going to lead them? Maybe take 15 minutes out of your 168-hour work week to actually make a plan and be excellent in following up. See, that's why those churches never grow. That's why they all fail. That's why the average church in America has less than 60 people in it because you've got people that don't know what in the world they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. First of all, the average church in America is not getting anybody saved at all. Not getting it. They've, they've done studies that the average church in America won't have one conversion in an entire year, not one. Well, of course your church is going to shrink to nothing and shut down just by logic. Your people will get old, they'll all die, and with no conversions, your church will shut down. Genius. So you've got people, they won't even win souls, and even if they did win a soul or two, they don't have anything in place to help those uh, people become disciples of Christ. It's like, well, we hope they come back. Wouldn't that that be wonderful if they came back and brought their families? (laughs) Dummies absolute dummies. And they don't take it seriously. Say, well, you're talking awfully strong today. I'll talk stronger than that before it's over because these are people that it's life or death. It's heaven or hell. And there's people that are so stupid and caught up in their little us for no more shut the door mentality of their tiny little church that's built on two families that they won't do anything to actually expand the kingdom. Nothing to expand the kingdom. Let me tell you something. There is no revelation. I don't care. I honestly don't care what anybody says because I know this for a fact from the word of God. There is no revelation that you can preach, none, that is more important than seeing souls saved. Well, our church really isn't a soul-winning church. We're more of a disciple church. No, it doesn't work that way. There is zero churches on the earth zero that are exempted from the great commission zero there are no pastors there are no churches that are exempted from winning souls none if your church is not winning souls you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing well that's not really what we do here we 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 more have this message this is the message we preach at our church that's kind of our vision you don't get to be a specialist in an area as a church. You've got to feed the body of Christ. You've got to feed the sheep. 
That's as stupid as you as a parent saying, well, you know, I don't really cook dinners here at my home. I really just, I'm really a specialist at making cheesecakes. And so all, all I do as a mom is make cheesecakes. And, you know, so every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we serve our children cheesecakes. They're going to die. Your kids are going to die, probably of diabetes. And pastors do that. There's pastors of churches that do that. Well, we know we're, God's given us a message here at this church and we have a specialist message and we preach this message. You don't get to do that as a pastor. That's not your calling. You have to feed the sheep. You've got to feed the sheep. You have to have conversions. You've got to disciple people and you've got to feed the sheep. You've got to raise them up in every area of life. Well, we make cheesecakes at this church. Good luck with an entire church full of people that are dying of type 2 diabetes because you don't have any milk, you don't have any meat, you don't have any bread, you don't have any vegetables, you only have cheesecakes. Good luck. And that's why the average church in America, Europe, and Canada is where it's at because you've got people that won't do the basics. They won't even sit down for 30 minutes and make a plan to reach the lost. And so the excellence is suffering because they've got nobody doing what they should. There's no excellence in soul winning. There's no excellence in discipling. There's no excellence in ministering to people. It's like, blows my mind. Everybody in the church in the spirit, their feet are black and ready to be amputated with diabetes in the spirit because nobody's, people won't do what they should. And it's not hard. It's basic stuff, but people don't even take the time to think. And Chick-fil-A is willing to do it to sell a freaking chicken sandwich. Think about it. Think about it. Chick-fil-A is doing all that they're doing so you can eat chicken. And we're, we've got the word of life to bring people into eternal life and, 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 and living in an eternity with God in heaven. And there's people that won't take 10 minutes to sit down and make a plan how to bring people out of eternal destruction and into eternal life. And you're getting outplanned and outworked and out-excellenced by people that their only goal is to get a chicken sandwich in your mouth. Think about that. Take a minute and think about it. And you know what? They are getting chicken sandwiches in mouths and we're not getting people into the kingdom. And you think about it. Is is a chicken sandwich more important than eternal life? Are french fries more important than eternal life? Is a salad more important than eternal life? Absolutely not. So why in the world are people taking all that time, taking all that planning, spending all that money in research and development, in marketing, to do all that stuff to get your mouth a chicken sandwich, and there's churches that sit around keeping their doors shut because it's us for no more, shut the door. I mean, let me just, I want to talk about it for a minute because it needs to be said, and then I will pray for you. I'll give you one more, then I'll pray, but I got to vent on this for a minute because it blows my mind. Churches, you've got Chick-fil-A to get a chicken sandwich in your mouth, spending all kinds of money on research and development, marketing, search engine optimization. So that like if you go into your city and search chicken sandwiches in your city, literally, you'll find Chick-fil-A will pop up in your city on Google because they've actually spent the money and time investing in search engine optimization all these things that seem arbitrary to other people, all to get a chicken sandwich in your mouth. And you've got churches that don't have a quarter of the sense, not even a quarter of the sense. I went to a church one time. I was on vacation with my family. And um, I was like, you know, we should go, we should go to church 
because even though we're on vacation, we still got to be faithful to the house of God. And so I knew, I knew there was someone that I, I knew through other people who had planted a church in the city where we were staying. I was like, well, let's go to his church. I, I, I know him through other people. I went to their website, got their address of their church. And I was like, oh, great. We're going to go. I packed up everybody in the trucks, my, my brother-in-law, sister-in-law, everybody, kids, my wife, everybody. We go out there. I've got the address of the church in my GPS. We get there and it says, you have arrived. I look around. There's no church to be seen anywhere. It's like office parks. There's no signs. There's nobody out on the, by the road holding a sign, welcome to church, church this way, parking this way, nothing. I'm just looking around in parking lots and office parks on a Sunday morning. You have arrived and the GPS turns off. There's nowhere else to take me. I, I put in the address they've got on their website. There's nothing for me to see. I actually had to call six people and say, could you get so-and-so the pastor's number? I'm trying to get to his church. I can't see anything anywhere. I finally get a hold of the dude. He's like, yeah, yeah, uh, where are you? Okay, go around, drive all the way to the back by the loading docks, and uh, there's a door to get into our church. I go all the way back, all the way around to a place nobody would ever find. Nobody would ever find. Remember this, I'm a preacher who wants to go to church and I'm doing everything I can to get to that church and still can't find it. Forget a sinner that might just be driving by and feel like I need to go to church this morning. They would never find it. And I go behind and there's a chain link fence with a little uh, vinyl sign that's probably like four feet by two feet that says, welcome to church. It's like, who in the world is going to find that? Who's going to see that? Nobody. Nobody to call. Your website sends you to an address that there's no signage so nobody could come to your church even if they wanted to. You've got people coming in in the back of the building through the loading dock into your church. And I thought, okay, well, maybe it's okay because they maybe they just maybe they just launched the church. I leaned over to the pastor's wife on the front row. How long have you guys been here? Just about a month or so? No, no, about three years. Oh, three years. And you've got nobody telling anybody how to get to church. It's like people don't think. They don't think, how can you get to church if nobody even knows where the church is? And you got people that are, they'll do all this with signage and people flipping signs out by the road, you know, chicken this way, sandwiches this way, uh, you know, whatever. And you got people, we can't even put someone out there to do that to come to church. How will anybody, I don't know why our church isn't growing. Pick me. I know why. Ask me the question. I'll tell you exactly why your church isn't growing. No one can freaking find it. Blows my mind. It's like, what are you doing? What are people doing? They hold eternal life in their hand as a gift to give to the world, and they're hiding it under a bushel. Meanwhile, Chick-fil-A, spending millions on R&D, spending millions on marketing, building locations everywhere that are all very recognizable because they all look the same way, and we know what they look like to just get a chicken sandwich in your mouth. And they're succeeding. They're succeeding and the and there are churches that are failing. Cuz they won't even they won't even operate in excellence. They won't. They absolutely will not. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 2, 22 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings, he'll not stand before unknown men. Psalm 33 3. Sing a new song to the Lord of praise to him. Play skillfully. It means you got to have excellence on the harp and sing with joy. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. 
Exactly. Exactly. Excellence. Ariana said, I went to Abundant Life and it's a huge church. You can't miss people outside, golf carts. They're picking you up at your, that's what I love about our church. Full of excellence. Full of excellence. If it's raining, they've got golf carts running all over the parking lot to pick you and your family up under an enclosed golf cart so you don't have to get wet, driving you up to the front door, letting you out right in front of the door under the overhang. There's people waiting for you, waiting to check your kids in, waiting to make sure. I mean, everything. Excellence. Bringing people. You know what else I love about our church? There are people saved every single Sunday. Every single Sunday. I don't care. There are people saved. I love it. I love to see that at any church. There should be people saved every single Sunday. And I thank God for Bishop Rick Thomas, Pastor Kathy, and the entire uh, Thomas family for what God's anointed them to do. Finally, number four, before I pray for you, the fourth thing I learned is that they put God first. That's interesting. They put God first. Covenant, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Put God first. Every Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, which is really the time you want to eat it the most. I can't, you guys, if you know what I'm talking about, throw your hand in the comment section. I can't tell you how many times I've left church and have so badly wanted Chick-fil-A. I mean, you go by one, you're like, please, why aren't they open? They put God first. Do you know they're outselling McDonald's? Not just because they're, um, remember I told you that McDonald's is 24 hours and they're just what, 12, 13 hours? Also, six days a week versus seven. McDonald's open 24-7. Um, Chick-fil-A's open, what, 12-6? 12, 12 hours, six days a week? Think about that. They put God first. Number four thing you got to learn. Put God first. You cannot continue to expand. You cannot continue to grow if you don't put God first. If you won't do what he has prescribed in his word, which is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Read Deuteronomy 28. You'll know, you'll know what the Bible says. If you'll be, if you'll hearken to the voice of the Lord, your God, if you'll be faithful to obey all that I've commanded you to do. What's that mean? I put his commands first. I put him first. I put his agenda first. I put everything he wants first. And if I'll put him first, he puts me first. Nothing that I'll ever do will take the place of God. I don't care what it is. You'll you'll never, you'll never, ever see me putting even a vacation above God. Well, you know, I am a, I am a preacher that goes all the time. I'm in church every single night. I do broadcasts every single day. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, Nick. And so, you know, the Lord understands when we skip church while we're on vacation. No, I'll never skip church on vacation. Because it's not my business to skip church. I put God first. He's the one that gave me the vacation. So what am I going to do? Thumb my nose at God because he gave me a vacation. And because he did, I'm, I'm skipping church on vacation because, you know, I, I, I no, he's first. Doesn't matter if I'm on vacation. Doesn't matter where I am. He's first. His day is first. My life is his. I'm his servant. I'm his child. I put him first. If I'll put God first, He'll put me first. I want you to put that in the comment section. If I'll put God first, he puts me first. If I put God first, he puts me first. No question. If I put him first, he puts me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you.
Come on. All these things will be added unto you. Absolutely. You got to put him first. Consistency, kindness, quality, covenant. Four things. Consistency, kindness, quality, covenant. Those four things, if you will do them, like, you know, it, it like literally blows my mind. The things that people won't do that are easy to do. They're just too lazy to do them. That's why, you know, I start to understand more and more as I live why, you know, there's people, well, when God wants to bless me and it doesn't work like that. God's looking for people to bless all the time. He's always looking. Proverb or Second um, Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord are constantly searching the earth. He's always looking for people to bless. But he doesn't, he also has qualifications for blessing. And if we don't meet the qualifications for blessing, he's not required to bless us. He has qualifications. He has prerequisites. Our hearts must be turned toward him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So if we don't meet the qualifications, he's not required to bless us. That's why I pray, Lord, strengthen me to obey your word and never let me be found out of place to receive the blessings of God. Never. Consistency, kindness, quality, covenant. If you'll abide by those things. I mean, it causes you to explode in fruitfulness, to explode in the goodness of God, to explode in favor without question. Without question. If I put him first, he'll put me first. And I'm going to pray because one of the things, and I know people are getting back to their jobs, getting back to their business, their ministry, their their churches, getting back with, and I'm going to pray at the end of this broadcast, and God's going to put a fire in your belly. One of the things we don't need in this generation, we do not need people that are taking their purpose lightly, that are living their life flippantly, that are going through life as though things don't matter, they can do whatever they want. We need to live with urgency. Hear what I'm saying to you. Colossians 3 is for you. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. We need that kind of urgency. I need that kind of a fire in my belly. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I'm praying today for every person watching this broadcast, that same fire would arise in your spirit, leap in your spirit, and throw an urgency in your belly like you've never had as we get ready to jump into June. And June starts our season of extreme favor. The final seven months of this year are going to explode in favor in Jesus' name. So the prayer I'm praying for you right now is that a fire jumps up in you, an urgency in your spirit to do these things for the kingdom of God like we've been talking about today, and watch as favor hits your life like never before. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person that's watching me now, Lord, put that kind of a fire, put that kind of an urgency into our hearts, into our spirits. Let us please you. I pray you'd strengthen us to be consistent in our purpose, to be consistent in the fruit of the Spirit, to be consistent soul winners in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise for your goodness and your mercy. Help us to be kind and humble. Help us to walk in meekness. Lord, let us always produce at the highest level for the kingdom of God with excellence. And let us always put you first in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. 
I pray for those that need miracles today. I pray for Arya right now. I pray that the healing anointing of God would be all over her body. No issues with her hips, no problems in her body. In Jesus' name, she'll walk in perfect strength, perfect peace for her entire life, completely protected by the power of God. I pray, Jesus, for every person that's battling in their body. I lose healing virtue. To every man and woman today, be made whole by the power of the Holy Ghost. I take authority over depression, anxiety. Take authority over it. Command it to leave your life, leave your house. I lose joy and peace to every person that's watching today or listening on the podcast. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for touching us, using us, changing us. Bless your people by the power of God. In Jesus' name, we thank you that these next seven months are going to explode in favor, explode in victory in Jesus' name. For it's our year for violent increase and expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory and we give you praise. Amen. If you receive it, throw that fire in the comments section, Victory Tribe. Let me see that you're standing with me in faith and believing by the power of God. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. On this Friday, listen, take a moment to sow a seed. Here's my prayer before we get into June, that God's attaching to us partners. Thank you to every person that's standing with us already in partnership. Dave, thank you and your wife for standing with us. They just joined us. We love you guys. Thank you for standing with us. But we're asking God, this is our prayer, and we're going to see it come to pass. I see Joseph and Jessica standing with us every month. Andrew's been sewing. Mike and Caitlin sewing. Thank you. I'm asking you to pray and talk to the Lord. And he's speaking to you today because he's going to attach to this ministry a minimum of a thousand people that will stand with us at $85 a month or more. That's a thousand dollars a year. And the victory tribe, we're going to see the victory won. The vision will be carried out. God's already expanding us. I've got some uh, announcements coming to you in the upcoming future that are going to spark your faith to the next level. God's, I'm telling you, in a time when everybody was screaming recession and problems and issues, let me tell you what happened. Ex expansion happened. God's expanding us. God's expanding us. That's right, Mike. Same spirit. <laughs> me and Pastor Brian, same spirit of faith. That lemonade will get you. And so I'm telling you right now, it's not just true for this ministry. It's true for your family. It's true for your life. It's true for your business. It's true for your ministry. Expansion. We're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to explode in favor. And I can't wait to share everything with you. But Candy's part of the Victory Tribe. Amen. Amen. So do what the Lord's telling you today. Do what the Lord's telling you. Some of you, the Lord's speaking to so largely. And over this weekend... Obey what the Lord's telling you to do. There's some of you, the Lord's speaking to sow 1,000, 5,000, 10,000. Do it and watch what God will do for you. You can easily use hashtag donate in the comments section on Facebook or Periscope or Twitter. You can use Cash App or Venmo. The username is the same, MWGive. PayPal information's on the screen. Best way and the easiest way to set up a partnership seed, a monthly seed, go to miracleword.com. Click on the give page, click on the partner page, and you can sow a seed monthly. You can set it up to sow monthly. 
If you'd like to increase your partnership seed that you've been doing monthly, you can contact us as well and we'll help you to um, increase that monthly seed. And soon we're setting up something right now where you can build your own profile within the website and control it as, as the Lord leads you personally without ever having to call or email us. You'll have your own pr profile to log into uh, to do that. And so we say thank you. And of course, as you know, final moments of May as we're doing it, I'm sending you this book as our gift to those of you that so $85 or more, Heir of Power by my friend, Pastor Alan Meshagan Jr., powerful preacher, great pastor, and God's using him mightily in Georgia and around the world. And uh, this book will bless you, Heir of Power, your inheritance with Christ, your identity in Christ. It's a must read for any of God's people. That's going to be our gift to you as well uh, for, for those of you that are standing with us this month at uh, $85 or more. And then, of course, oh, exciting, exciting. Today's the day that the hardcovers are arriving. Further, faster, hardcover with a dust jacket, the limited editions, they're coming in today. Thank you, Jesus. So for everybody that partnered with us at $1,000 or more, everybody that stood with us, we're not just sending you this awesome study tool the Life Application Study Bible in Genuine Leather. But I'm signing for you a hardcover edition of this book right here, Further Faster, the brand new book we just released on impartation. The hardcovers are coming in today. They're limited. I'm going to sign it. I'm going to send it to you. It's numbered so that you know what you got. And I'm so excited. We've always wanted to do one of these, and we finally did one, and I'm pumped up. Can't wait to get you yours. I got people that are excited to read the book, but they're waiting on a hardcover and they keep sending me messages and I don't mind that one bit. I don't, I don't mind that one bit because it makes me happy. Love you too, Norman. No, we're believing for the best days for you. Believing for miracles in your life, Norman. We'll continue to stand with you. I love you guys, man. You're going to have the best weekend that you have ever had. That's my prayer. That you'll have the best weekend that you've ever had in your ent entire life. The nation is opening up. I couldn't be more happy about that. I could not be more happy about that. The nation's opening up. Other nations will follow. And so I'm believing that wherever you are, it's going to be the best ever. Mike. Thank you. Thank you for sowing that seed, Mike and Caitlin. Love you guys. Very much appreciate you. Somebody follow Mike and Caitlin's example and sow something largely that takes faith. Thank you guys. We love and appreciate you so much. The nation's opening. We're going back to normal. Not the new normal. Back to normal in Jesus' name. Thank you, Carissa. I make them out of the skins of my enemies. No, I'm kidding. I don't even know where I got this from going to be great. If you can join me up in Tampa, I want to see you there on Sunday night. If not, I understand, but it's going to be awesome. Back to church Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, celebrating the sending of the Holy Spirit on that first day of Pentecost. Man, it's going to be a good weekend. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.